0: My name is Zach Como, Associate Editor in My Tech Decisions. Welcome to My Tech Decisions Podcast. My name is uh, Como and I'm your host. You can follow me on Twitter at ZW Como and read my articles in mytechnics.com. Thanks for listening if you've heard the last two episodes. Uh, I took over the podcast from my boss, Jonathan Blackwood. Um, I'm new to podcasting, and I think I'm getting the hang of this, so thanks for sticking with me. Today we look at an education technology case study from the Muskegua Norway School District in southeastern Wisconsin. We talked to Chief Information Officer Tony Spence and library media specialist Tony Hanowski about a new makerspace called the Fab Lab that is equipped with interactive displays, 3D printers, laser engravers, a CNC machine, and more. We talk about how new technology is changing the way students learn and how to vet new technology in an educational setting. Before we get to that interview, here's a quick reminder that My Tech Decisions Podcast is available on the iTunes and the Google Play Store. Make sure to subscribe to download the latest interviews with AV integrators, IT providers, security installers, manufacturers, and tech decision-makers like yourself. You can leave a comment and rate the podcast as well. Search for My Tech Decision Podcast on iTunes and the Google Play Store. Download and subscribe. Now, here's the interview. Thanks for joining me. So I wanted to ask you about the Fab Lab at Muskegon Norway, a school district in Wisconsin. So Tony Spence I'll start with you. Uh, Can you tell us about the fab lab and uh, you know what exactly students and teachers can can do in the lab.
1: Sure. Yeah, actually, what I'll do is maybe give a bit of a history lesson and I'm gonna keep it brief and that is uh, we passed a referendum in 2016 and one of the parts of that referendum was to build a brand new middle school and that middle school is now called Muskego Lakes Middle School Mm -hmm. and we were approached by a company to review and discuss Uh, what opportunities might exist to design and build a fab lab within that school. And you know we had some experiences with that which Tony will be able to talk about but our goal was to align the opportunity of a fab lab with all the other opportunities that were happening in that building. It's this beautiful building that we're very proud of but at the same time fab lab as a whole system or process was a little bit new to us in terms of making that a complete one. So Uh, We worked with this company to help us build out a lab within the school, uh, furniture, equipment, everything you could imagine, and then an online curriculum and technology as well. And so the goal was to take something from just being a, a lab space and take it and put it into the curriculum. And so for us, that was a big jump because not many people had the background. And so it was a matter of getting people trained, finding classroom teachers who are willing to engage with some of these new tools and devices while we had 3d printers and we had a laser engraver now this is going to be more accessible to people and so we've taken it from I'd say very two-dimensional opportunity to a very three-dimensional opportunity and uh, with the knowledge and capacity of Tony this has grown from something that occurs in a lab space to something that occurs both during the school day and then also after the school day as well
0: yeah, uh Tony Hinowski, uh what was your involvement in the project?
2: I'm the K8 librarian and so I had already been dabbling in some um different technologies mm. and so it was an easy fit to incorporate this into our library program. So we started off with 3D printers and um before we had our fab labs and started getting other Um, teachers beside myself using them. And so um, we started using it in our face classes. We um, front load and teach all of the fifth graders how to 3D print. So when they get into upper grades, they can have a pretty successful experience with the assignments they're given from um, their teachers. So we started really small and just kept growing
0: it. So what exactly um, do we have in the Fab Lab?
2: So at this point, we have six 3D printers, which are going pretty consistently. We have three laser cutters. Um, We added morph pens because we realized that some of our younger students didn't understand the difference between 2D and 3D. So we added some morph pens that helped them understand that. Then we added in a Cricut, um, and so that was cutting vinyl, Um, for teachers, for things in their classrooms. Um, We have gone into T-shirt making that teachers can do um, with their items. And we just continually add things. We started expanding and having um, social studies teachers using the 3D printers. And we had the face classes were doing prototypes of furniture, we had math teachers teaching volume um, to their students. And so we've progressed now that our Fab Lab is mobile. It's no longer a destination. It's something um, we can take the equipment and move it all around the building.
0: How about the display technology? I know you, you guys said you added digital displays um, and an interactive projector.
2: Yeah, that was really helpful for us in the fab lab um, in our fab labs next to our library. And so we do have an Epson touch board and our Epson projector. And um, it has really changed things for us in demonstrating how to do a variety of the skills that we need to have the kids have, um, demonstrating how to use different tools. So um, it's been really helpful for us to have those.
1: We have them as a uniform access. That means any teacher, any staff member could be in any place and have the exact same access, Mm. which is a large screen, that's bright and we have a lot of natural light that comes into all of our buildings, uh, all the parts of it. And then the thing is, even with that bright light, natural light and all the lights on, we still have a very high quality display that again, has universal access for all. So it's not like if we bring these utilities into someone's classroom, then now they have less or fewer access uh, to this technology at that point. It's all the same across the system.
0: Right. How did you decide on uh, these specific uh, display technologies?
1: Yeah, we went into um, the option to test. You know, we've had uh, smart technologies for some time, which were great and lasted for a really long time. But we knew that when we wanted transition, there's always that, do we want to go with a flat panel display or do we want something uh, projection? And one of the big things for us was establishing that we wanted as large of a display as possible. Because uh, even though when I was in school, we watched movies on a 25-inch television with the VHS player. Um, of course.
0: You know, now we have a
1: higher uh, demand for what we can see and what we can do, and we're very text-based when we're reviewing content. So we need the display to be large and bright. And there wasn't any affordable technologies, and there still isn't, that can be 100 inches and provide us with the same resolutions that we have now. So it was kind of a very easy decision from my standpoint. And then also some of the most affordable, too, um, We just find that we get the best of both worlds with that solution that we have.
0: And how many of those Epson projectors um, does the district utilize?
1: Currently, we're at about 225, and a year and a half will be at 315, every instructional space within the school, within the district.
0: How have those impacted uh, teaching and learning and engagement? Well, the wonderful thing
3: is that it is so bright. And um, like Tony was saying, we have so much natural light that comes into our um, classrooms in our buildings that many times the kids couldn't see the screen we'd have to dim the lights and oh. hope they could see the screen um, but now with these projectors it really changes things for us because you always have that bright clear picture um, that has been wonderful and it's you can use any program you want you can project anything you have on your computer mm-hmm. Um So they've been super helpful. And I have to say the interactivity for um, the kids that I work with has been great too, because they can go up, interact with it right on the board. They can um, do their presentations and go forward and backwards with uh, Google Slides or anything else they use. So they've been great.
0: Yeah, how has EdTech changed over the years? I I have not been in a high school classroom in, uh... Oh, my goodness, about 12 years now.
1: Well, really, we've taken what used to be bring your kids to the computer lab mm-hmm. when you have extra time, right? That right. It was that we're going to take you on Oregon Trail, and we're going to show you some of the things on the Internet. Yeah, wow, that's cool, and kids would love it. We'd talk about engagement strategies as a result of technology, and now it's, it's everywhere, and kids have more access at home, with technology than they ever have too. And the expectation is there's some ubiquity there that no matter where you go, we have access. And I think the bar has been raised for that a long time ago. But not only is the bar raised for the access that we have in the first place, but how we're accessing it. Just putting a computer in front of a student means absolutely nothing unless there's something enriching and engaging with that content as well. It has to be a part of our curriculum. It has to be useful. And the kids see right through filler type activities versus real and practical activities that extend their learning. And the thing is, um, there's so many different apps, there's so many different technologies, we spend a lot of time vetting those things and really trying to pull in what's best for our staff and then really utilizing those things. So we get, instead of being an inch thick and a mile wide, we really drill down into a lot of new innovative technologies and do them well. So of course that's with our classroom technologies But also, like with Tony, she's explored into uh, Google Expeditions and taken those even a step further, which is essentially virtual reality. And Tony, I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more about that.
3: As far as being a teacher with um, the large boards and the the great projection of it. We also add document cameras to our setup, so teachers in real time can be editing with kids actual work, can show them things that they're doing, and it's pretty engaging to kids when they see their work up on the screen and they're Mm -hmm. editing. Um, What has really helped us tremendously is that the projectors have sound. So the sound comes out of the projector, it doesn't come out of speakers that you have to hook up to a laptop it doesn't come and go um, so that has been wonderful for us to be able to have that all-in-one projection system so that has helped us tremendously we have branched out into the virtual reality and we have Um, Our students engage in a variety of expeditions that um, go right along with their curriculum. So sixth graders take a visit to the Grand Canyon, and so they can actually see the layers of rock. They can Mm -hmm. see what um, the Colorado River looks like at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. So they really get a bird's eye view. And... It's amazing we've had them now for, I think this is our third year, and the kids mm-hmm. have grown up with it, and they still ooh and ah. Today we um, I was in a fifth-grade classroom, and we were working with the circulatory system, and the kids getting the understanding that plaque in um, your blood vessels is very different than when you go to a dentist, and they were... So intrigued by that, that it was different. And before they didn't understand it. But once they saw that demonstration, um, it was really clear to them. And that technology has also increased. Um, They've added more video into their... um, expeditions they have added sound so um the kids are really intrigued with that because that now is something new so everything we're doing with the kids is to help them understand what they're learning in class so it's really cool that things are progressing right along
0: on that note how do you make sure that this technology isn't just used to be a sh- new shiny piece of technology that you can show parents and in the school community? You know, how do you make sure that this is used for learning? So when we started with
3: um, our display boards, our um, whiteboards at the Epson projectors, I mean, Tony showed the school board. This is how it works. They demonstrated it. Um, And so it was a natural progression because they just started to come in more and more. Um, Parents who come in, see the things that are happening, Um, they also are, it's become norm to them. So they switch from one type of whiteboard to another it's pretty seamless and it's almost expected. Um, same with the Google Expeditions. We went to a school board meeting and actually did an expedition so they could understand oh. what our kids are doing and how they were learning and how this technology really did impact what they were doing.
0: Great, uh, so, yeah, so what do you guys have planned next in the way of technology?
1: There's a lot of different options out there, but uh, for us, it's actually starting to zero in on the state's newly introduced uh, technology literacy standards. Mm. And so our goal is to integrate those uh, within to our standard curriculum and to do so in a way that's palatable and digestible for all of our certified staff members because they're already doing so much already. And they should be taking credit for that. But we also want to be able to know that we're adhering to those standards and doing what we can that way. So it used to be Let's say 10-15 years ago that we would just adopt a new technology because it looked good. And now we realize we're not doing that anymore. We're looking at what our curricular needs are And then we're finding the right technologies to apply to that and most of those are innovative tasks and sometimes They're technology that might be right underneath our nose. And so we find ways implement those technologies, and then they're very um, practical and pragmatic because it's what teachers need in the moment to really get into their curriculum with those students. So it's not a extracurricular activity for a student to use technology. It's not just something to toy and experiment with, although we have plenty of tinkering going on. It's actually something that we feel is a, is a perfect match to go with either a newly augmented curriculum or even one that's currently in place as well.
0: Mm my wife is a um eighth grade teacher uh, we, we know we know all too well about the budgetary constraints um yeah. in, in these school districts yeah don't you have to be very deliberate in what you choose to to spend money on
1: Yeah, that's a great question we all have our budgets right and uh we can't really afford to make poor decisions yeah. but one thing we do really well at is a lot of professional development mm-hmm. uh, for all of our staff uh, we have a tech integration team that includes Tony, uh, fellow library media specialist, Emily, and also another member of our team, her name is Michelle, and and they do an excellent job working as a team to talk about deliverables for staff. And then we also do attend conferences and other events so that we're networking, not just within our system, but outside of it too. Right.
3: I think also too, what we have done um, is we really test things out before we do a full-on implementation um, for our Google Expedition Kits, we bought one and we shared it between two middle schools, a high school, and really, do we need this and see if we could get some traction with it? And we did. We ended up um, having to buy an additional kit that one is housed at each middle school because that's where we found the people were using it the most. It really directly related to their curriculum and what they were doing. So I think that's a good thing that we do too. We'll start small and we'll really see how it works and get teachers engaged with it. Um, and so they have a lot of ownership in it because. They're seeing how it works, and they can recommend, yes, this is good. This is something we want. So they always feel like they have a role in it
0: um, and that their voice is being heard. Guys, thank you very much for taking some time out of your day. I'm sure it's another long day at school, but uh, thanks very much.
1: Yes, our pleasure, Zach. Thank you for taking the time to interview us. We really appreciate it. If you have any other follow-up questions, just let us know.
3: All right.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to My Tech Decisions podcast, where it's our mission to help you do your job better. If you'd like to learn more, head to MyTechDecisions.com or follow us on Twitter at MyTechDecisions. Until next time.